0: The David Pacman Show at DavidPacman.com.
1: So, Donald Trump's casual musings about the potential to declare martial law reportedly have the military on red alert, but not on red alert to participate in enforcing the martial law. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The military is not on red alert, preparing to enforce martial law, which is a suspension of civil law in lieu of military justice becoming the law of the land. The military is on red alert, not because they want to be prepared to help Trump. They want to be prepared in case protesters go so crazy. If Trump tries to install martial law, that the military might be required to help quell violence and restore order. Multiple officers who spoke to Newsweek, of course, on the condition of anonymity, agree that there's no chance whatsoever that the military would actually try to help Donald Trump overturn the results or enforce the martial law that Trump is supposedly musing and wondering about. But what the military officers are worried about is that by trying to push martial law, if Trump were to do it that the military could end up getting sucked into having to clean up the mess that Donald Trump might make. And the thought is that Donald Trump could inadvertently or deliberately rally so-called private militias and pro-Trump paramilitary types, and the military could end up being needed to help protect from those groups. Now the consensus is that there is no group or contingent or cabal of military officers that would actually go with Donald Trump's idea. But the military could end up needing to come to the defense of the people, depending on what happens. And notably, the contingency planning is happening completely out of sight of the White House and the known Trump loyalists at the Pentagon because the military recognizes that if you involve the White House or Trump loyalists in the Pentagon in and let them know that you're planning in this way, They may actually try to interfere with what you're doing or even notify Donald Trump. And along those lines, the other crazy aspect of this is that top military brass understand that if they publicly said we would never support any attempt at martial law because Trump thinks he really won when he lost, um, they recognize that if they went public with their names, it could make Trump go absolutely crazy. And make him more likely to try this stuff. So the reporting is that the military officer community is just kind of laying low contingency planning out of sight, but not attaching their names to any specific uh, public rebukes of Donald Trump's martial law musings. And, And to be frank, I understand that. And the question comes up of whether Donald Trump, absent support from the military, would try to pull in Blackwater type mercenary groups or others, which would be just a new level of insanity. And hopefully it will never come to that. Uh, Donald Trump just went to Florida uh, for the holiday. And there's the idea that Trump may never even come back to Washington, D.C., like you may just stay in Florida. This will all fade away and be nothing or not. We don't know. Um, I've actually already left the country. I've I've not even been in the U.S. for a bit. I'm not going to be back until after the inauguration. The show will look the same. I've I've been mentioning you know multiple studios lately. Nothing will change when we get back from New Year's break. Uh, but I'm beating the rush, and I'm just going to be elsewhere for the next period of time. Uh, why why chance it? You know uh, that that that's my approach. And then just one last thing. This is also part of why the electoral college should really be gotten rid of. Biden won by about eight million votes, but About one hundred thousand votes in a few swing states were the margin that provided the electoral victory. The electoral victory seems much more plausibly overturnable when it comes down to one hundred thousand votes in a handful of states, whereas how do you even plausibly claim to try to circumvent an eight million vote loss? Um, Just another signal about the the importance of continuing to fight. To get rid of the Electoral College. And that's even a separate issue than the Electoral College helps Republican presidents. Yes, it does. But regardless of that, uh, there are other reasons to get rid of it. So on Tuesday, Donald Trump did this video screed where he had sort of like conflicting and confused reasons for which he was threatening to veto the second coronavirus stimulus package. On Wednesday, he did veto that package. And one of the things Donald Trump said he wanted, is a two thousand dollar stimulus check rather than a six hundred dollar stimulus check. Now, very conveniently, many Democrats, including our friend Ro Khanna, have been talking about two thousand dollars per person for a while. And as soon as Donald Trump said, I want two grand, many Democrats said, great, let's work together on it. We're ready to do it. But the Republican Party uh, has blocked an attempt. Democrats did move to increase the size of the checks when Trump said. Let's do two thousand and it is not going to happen because yesterday House Republicans blocked the attempt by Democrats to do two thousand dollar payments. And now we are simply waiting on whether the House will vote to override Trump's veto on Monday and whether if that happens, the Senate will vote to override Trump's veto on Tuesday. Um, But it is. uh, It's just not going anywhere. The Republican Party has been arguing for less and less money, and uh, the House tried to pass two thousand dollar payments on uh, Christmas Eve Day. So yesterday during the day they had a brief meeting of the House where um, Democrats tried to approve two thousand dollar payments by unanimous consent, which means any one lawmaker can block it. It's not a 50 plus or. Supermajority or whatever, uh, uh, it it is simply um, any one Republican, any one lawmaker can block it. Uh, Congressman Steny Hoyer, Democrat, offered the proposal from the floor, and it was blocked by House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. And that is it. Uh, so we th- there's really no expectation at this point that that is going to happen um, under Trump's watch. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said that. On Monday, she will do a recorded vote on the two thousand dollar payments. But I mean, it, it's not going to make any difference at this point in time. Democrats continue to tell Trump, just sign the bill. And um, let's uh, I mean, listen, one of the other problems here is why is the government funding bill part of the same vote as the covid stimulus bill? We know why this is a common thing that's done in in Congress. The idea is if you're against a bunch of stuff, one party wants to do, you say, let's join this vote with the stuff we want to do. You do one vote for both bills. And then 20 years later, much like we've seen happen with Bernie and Joe Biden and others, when you're asked, why did you vote in favor of Bill A and you say, listen, I wasn't really in favor of Bill A. I was in favor of Bill B. but. Our colleagues on the other side said the only way they would support it is if we wrapped it up with bill A. I found it so important to get the people six hundred dollars instead of zero that I conceded. I said, I'll give them bill A because they're giving me bill B, which I think is the the right bill for for helping people. This is politics. This is how it always works. It's disgusting. There's no actual reason that you couldn't have one vote on covid stimulus and then separately one vote on uh, government funding. But that is the way that they have done it. And um, one of the interesting sort of little details is we talked yesterday about how Donald Trump has turned on basically everybody around him, Mike Pence, uh, Mike Pompeo, he, he's he believes none of them are, are supporting him in his bid to overturn the election results. Mitch McConnell's also on that list. And Mitch McConnell has been against more stimulus for months. And when it's a conversation about stimulus, he wants the smallest possible stimulus. Since Trump suggested the two thousand dollar payments, Mitch McConnell has been silent uh, about the demand for the two thousand dollar payments. And it is just, you you know, the who really loses here? It's the people. Right. And this is why when we talk about political posturing by either side, when we talk about um, uh, all of these different public moves that do nothing to actually get help to people to be any closer to a reality. um, we, We have to remember that a bunch of this stuff is almost almost as bad on the Democratic side as the Republican side. So we'll see what happens Monday with the House vote on overriding Trump's veto. We'll see what happens Tuesday conditionally with the Senate voting to override that same veto. And Maybe maybe by mid-January payments could be going to people. It will take uh, a a couple at least a couple of weeks, it is believed once if and when this is approved for money to get into anybody's hands. So certainly 2021 not this is not going to be 2020 money in the best case uh, at all. We've got a great program for you today. We will be off all of next week. The show will be off next week. Just reminding everybody, no show next week. And then uh, we will be back with you in the new year. But we still have plenty going on today. Remember that on a January first, one one twenty one, we have a huge membership special going on. If you want to be notified about it, just get on my newsletter at davidpackman.com. Um, it is it, this is a, the the type of membership special people have never even heard of before, never mind seen. All right, so get on that mailing list at davidpackman.com. Quick break. Much more.
0: The David Pacman Show at davidpackman.com
1: What if you could read 10 books in just one sitting? That's exactly what one of my favorite apps lets you do. It's called Blinkist. And what they do is take thousands of popular nonfiction books, they condense them down into text or audio that you can consume in 15 minutes. Blinkist makes sure that you're getting all of the important core insights from each book. So it's perfect for exploring a book you otherwise wouldn't have time for. If there's a full book you're thinking about buying, you can use Blinkist to get a sample first. Just think how much you can enrich yourself by being able to soak up an entire nonfiction book in just 15 minutes. I recently checked out the book podcast marketing strategy by Daniel rolls and Kieran Rogers and so useful. So particularly applicable to what I'm doing. Really recommend it. Blinkist has books on politics, philosophy, science. They have 27 different nonfiction categories and a subscription is only about eight bucks a month and you get access to the entire library, but you can try it totally free. And get 25% off a subscription when you go to blinkist.com slash pacman. That's B L I N K I S T dot com slash pacman.
0: The David Pacman Show
1: at davidpacman.com. Remember that the number one way to support the David Pacman Show, you all know it. It's a membership at joinpacan.com. And you can use the coupon code, at least if and until Joe Biden makes these codes illegal. You can use the coupon code Fresh Start to get a massive discount off of a membership. JoinPacman.com is the place to do it. Let's go to the phones for the absolute last final time. Of twenty twenty on Discord at DavidPacman.com slash Discord. Let's first go to Kate in Ohio. Kate in Ohio. What is going on?
2: Uh not much, David. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well.
2: Cool. So uh do I ask you a question?
1: That would be a great next step. Yeah, let's do it.
2: Uh, So do you think it's uh, politically important to eventually abolish the the Electoral College as really it's the only way Republicans can uh, win the elections nowadays as their ideas are generally becoming less popular?
1: Yes, I do. I do think so. And we've talked before about the paths to doing it. Um, I don't I don't really see any path. You can never say never. I don't see any path anytime soon to doing it uh, via constitutional amendment. Um, because there are so many red states that know that their candidates have won solely because we have an electoral college system instead of a popular vote system. So, if it's going to happen even relatively soon, I believe it would be through something like the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact NPVIC. I've talked about that before. But yes, I, I think uh, if the now it is true what Republicans say that. If we had a national popular vote, they would run elections differently. And Trump has said that. But regardless, I think it would be a massive uphill battle for the Republican Party to climb.
3: Okay, cool.
1: All right. Thanks uh, very much, Kate. I appreciate it. Great to hear uh, from Kate uh, Kate from Ohio. Let's go um, next to Manraj from Chicago. Did I get that name right? Uh,
2: yeah, you got that name right. Good job on it. And I just want to say, love the show. You know, been a been a member, and very excited to uh, thank you. Uh, get get to ask your question. Uh, so I, I'm just going to ask you a quick two part question. So the first is, you know, what kind of pro- pressure can leftists and progressive expect to uh, you know, have over the policy uh, policy agenda? Of a Biden administration if we you know I don't think it's going to happen but let's say we get the 50 senators and we get the two in uh, Georgia if that does happen what kind of uh I guess influence we can exert on that and then the you know just follow up to that uh with Florida and especially you know the $15 minimum wage uh law that passed through a direct ballot initiative do you see that as more of a winning strategy to push for those kind of initiatives uh for the left
1: Well, so there's a couple different things there. Let's first talk about the pressure that that uh, Democrats could put on Joe Biden if Democrats take the Senate because Democrats get the two seats in Georgia. uh, It will be 50 50, meaning Democrats, meaning Joe Biden, anything he wants to get done, he will likely need every single Democratic senator. Now, if you lose one like Joe Manchin, as we talk about, then you'll need a Republican senator. So the point is, Joe Biden, if he has a 50 50 Senate with Kamala as the tie breaking vote, he can't afford to lose a single Democrat to get big things done, meaning that is the leverage that the more progressive Democrats in the Senate can say, you need every single one of our votes to do a you've got to work with us on B. That's the leverage that that leverage doesn't exist if Democrats don't win the two Georgia Senate races. So is is that part is that part clear?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I I think I always saw it the other way, where the Joe Manchins have the leverage to pull their votes. But I guess I didn't realize that, hey, you know, progressive senators, uh, you know, the Liz Warrens and whatnot, they have that same leverage. Anybody could.
1: Exactly. Now, in terms of direct ballot initiatives, I love direct ballot initiatives, but direct ballot initiatives happen at the municipal and state level. So it's we're talking about different things altogether. The direct ballot initiative is not going to be a replacement to the House and Senate passing something and it being signed into law by Joe Biden. In most cases, there are things you could say, listen, if you do these in all 50 states, the effect will be just as if Joe Biden got it done through the House and Senate. But in practice, I can't think of anything that would get through all 50 states. So, so there, it's just it's a different tool for different projects
2: okay yeah no that's a very good good explanation for it and uh yeah just love your show and uh yeah doing great work
1: so how how cold is it in Chicago these days
2: you know it's not too bad it's not too bad I guess my gauge of it is how much uh, uh, you know my dog uh, likes to be outside and right yeah. now he hasn't He's uh, uh. Let's just say I'm sick of the walk before he is. So that's Got the it. Best way I can put it. Yeah, I
1: mean e- even even here in New York City, we've had some uh close to close to sixty degree days. So it's uh it's it's quite a scene. All right, my friend, I appreciate the call. I mean, it's probably bad. It probably relates to climate change, but it's certainly pleasant if uh if nothing else. Let's go next to. Uh, why don't we go? Oh, I don't know. There's just so many people. Let's go to Christopher from Houston, Texas. To Christopher from Houston, what's going on? Hey, can you hear me? I can. Hey. You're the voice is coming through very oddly, but I can hear you.
2: Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm talking in my uh, my fourth
4: fusion right now, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so, uh, Ford Fusion
1: now I believe Ford Fusion is one of the latest vehicles that is going from being available in a stick shift to automatic only is that is that correct uh, I'm,
0: I, I, I couldn't tell you I'm not totally
1: sure beautiful <laughs> I love it
2: all right so uh, i'm a I'm a physical therapist uh, a doctor of physical therapy and uh, i'm
1: a i I do home health so you know I, I go to people's houses and you know. Help them out in the home after they've gone home from the hospital. Yep. And
2: uh, I guess I just wanted to kind of give kind of a, a ground report of what
0: it's like in rural Texas uh, before the election. Like every other house, you know, Fox News was on full blast all
2: the time, you know. And then now we're at like fifty-fifty Newsmax and Fox News the <laughs> time. So that's, uh Now let me ask you this: I
1: this is know. this is so this is such a, a dumb question in the sense that I should know this, but. Um, I only consume any of this stuff online. Is Newsmax on regular cable for people, or or is it only on Sat? Like, how do you? Uh, I'm only familiar with getting Newsmax on the computer. Is it part of people's cable packages down there?
2: I I really have no idea. Maybe, maybe they're they're savvy and they they, they got you know some uh, you know internet TV going on, but so I, I'm not exactly sure. I, I just noticed that that you know they're on their TVs while I'm, you know, trying to do the therapy and I have to tell them to mute the TV because I can't hear my own hear myself
1: talk. And have um have any of the people that you're you're working with do they let slip bonkers conspiracy theories that they would have gotten from Newsmax?
2: Oh, oh, a, a, absolutely like like <laughs> daily. So I I I kind of act undercover while I'm working with them, you know, I they they be like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Like, totally. The Democrats are,
1: you know, basically bought off by China and everything, blah, 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 just to kind of. Oh, mis- you play. Mis- you play along, in other words.
0: Yeah. 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 Because, you know, it, 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 if they don't uh, agree with
1: me, it's, it's harder for me to, you know, work with them, do my therapy and all that. I understand it's that. Just, it's, it, it, it's kind of interesting to
2: see the range of uh, opinions out here in
1: rural Texas. Uh, all right. Well, listen, uh, I, do, I don't envy you and um, uh, keep keep up the good work and let's let's hope things improve.
2: All right. Thanks. Uh, I love the show.
1: All right. Thanks very much. Wow. Yeah, that sounds that sounds uh, pretty, pretty bonkers. Um, why don't we go next to um, oh, this is interesting. Let's go to Maria from Colombia, but calling from Germany. Do I have that right, Maria? Yes, you're right. I love it. What now? You I don't know if you've heard this caller, Pedro from Colombia, who Absolutely. clearly is is not from Colombia. What part of Colombia are you actually from?
5: I'm from Bogota.
1: OK, yeah. that, see, that's a, that's a clear answer. Uh, and so I believe you.
5: OK, good. <laughs> that's an easy one, but yeah, yes. definitely, Pedro doesn't have a, a Colombian accent. Yeah. No,
1: not at all. <laughs> Okay, good. Oh, by the way, I am watching a. You might find this interesting, Maria. I have started watching a Netflix series called Perdida, which takes place mostly in Colombia, and um, it's it's quite good.
5: I have not heard of it, but I'm going to watch it. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But (laughs)
1: enough about me. What's on your mind today?
5: Um, On my mind, well, uh, I have family issues trying to communicate with them, and Mm -hmm. I remember that once you said that, for example, to talk about uh, controversial issues like abortion, it's good to have like uh, a common ground, like what everyone should agree on. And for example, yeah, everyone should agree on having less abortions, even if you're pro-choice or if you're pro-life. Um, and that has helped me a lot. And I was wondering whether you have another topic in mind that it's controversial, but that we can find a common ground. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Ooh, I mean, there's mind? there's so many. It'd be, it would be better if you had a topic that you're looking to discuss and we could think about the best way to do it. Is there a particular topic that is a problem right now?
5: Well, regarding COVID, I think, well, right now, uh, my family. Uh, Right now, especially my grandfather, he's suffering now from uh, covid and his saturation levels are very low. And mm. it feels like, yeah, I'm hopeless. I don't know. <laughs> I would I wish I could communicate with them uh, a lot better, but I just yeah, it's complicated.
1: But is it that you so your family, they're not taking the virus seriously or they believe it's a hoax or what? It, what's the disagreement?
5: Um, they believe at the beginning they thought it was a hoax. Now, uh, one of uh, my uncles he um, got infected and he was on a ventilator for eighty-six days. Oh. Um, he survived, yes, but still, uh, it seemed like. Uh, well, actually, I guess it. Uh, everything starts with a lack of trust on the healthcare workers. I think that's the main issue and. Um, you know what's yeah, interesting about
1: that? Here's the opportunity, right? Here's the opportunity. If if your family doesn't trust the healthcare workers, the best way to avoid having to interact with them is not to get the virus. So where I where I might approach this is, hey, you know what? Nobody wants to have to deal with healthcare workers if you don't have to, so that should be extra incentive to stay healthy, so we don't end up needing healthcare workers to do anything for us. I would probably think of that as the entry point.
5: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It sounds yeah, sounds very reasonable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But now, in, to understand you're, the family that you're referring to, they're in Germany, or they're in Colombia, or they're somewhere else.
5: Oh, uh, well, my, my uh, grandfather and my aunts there in Southern California. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> OK. Got complex. it.
1: So it's all over the place. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, that sounds tough. But that's that's my thought, Maria.
5: Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Right. Uh, I really like your show. I appreciate uh, your opinion. Yeah. yeah Thank you so you. much.
1: <laughs> oh, is there someone else there now?
5: Yes. My boyfriend.
1: <laughs> oh OK. Uh, is he Colombian? Yes. Oh, he is. Oh, all right. Well, listen, you are the real Colombian callers and you are replacing uh, Pedro from Colombia. So, congratulations. Thanks. All right, take care. Okay, let's take a very quick break, but if you're holding, don't hang up. I mean, hang up if you want to, but I you have an opportunity to speak with me if you keep holding because we'll go right back to the phones momentarily.
0: The David Packman show at davidpackman.com.
1: Privacy.com is one of our sponsors and they're giving you $5 just for using their free service at privacy.com slash Pacman privacy is a service I've been using for a while now. I love it. It saves me a bunch of headaches. It's completely free and it's very quick to set up and here's how it works when you pay for something online or over the phone instead of exposing your real credit card number, privacy lets you generate virtual card numbers. The payments are withdrawn from your checking account, but your real card number stays completely private and you do it all with one click. You can auto fill the card number in your web browser on the phone. You can create 12 virtual cards a month. You can set spending limits, freeze them, delete them whenever you want. I especially love it for free trials where you need to give a credit card number because I can destroy the virtual card number as soon as I give it to the company and I know I won't be charged in the future. If you're ordering food over the phone, why do I need to give a restaurant my real card number? I don't have to. Companies don't have to know who you are. Your real credit card number is protected from the data breaches that happen unfortunately more often than we would like and it's completely free. They do have a paid version with different tiers where you can create more virtual credit card numbers per month, cashback rewards, extra security features. But go ahead and sign up for the free service. It's a no brainer. Companies can't charge you unexpectedly. You're protected from identity theft It costs you nothing and privacy is giving you $5 to spend just for signing up when you go to privacy.com slash Pacman.
0: welcome back to the david pacman
1: show okay we are taking your calls for the last time before 2021 via discord slash discord let's go down to our friendly neighbors to the south in Miami let's go to jacobo from miami you are on the air
6: hi david oh my god wow I can't believe you' just Hi. Um I can't sorry, believe I'm, it.
1: I can't believe yeah. it.
6: So I'm I'm like 16 years old. I'm from Miami. I really like your show. Thank you. And uh I wanted to know if you've said if you've heard of the $2,000 proposal that Donald Trump has talked about.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, what's I, I, we did a whole segment about it after the um af, after Trump's weird 4-minute speech. What's crazy is I agree with Trump, two thousand dollars would be a great number. And reminder, I'm getting zero. This is not for me. I'm not trying to get more money for myself. You understand? Jacobo? yeah, good. Um, The problem is, in the same speech, Trump said Democrats have prevented anything from happening for months. Democrats proposed two thousand dollars six months ago and it went nowhere because of Republicans. So. I agree with Trump in that I like the idea of two thousand dollars, which was also brought up by Rokana. It was also brought up by lots of other people. But his four-minute speech was just filled with lies.
6: Yeah, yeah. But um, I also saw that, like, he was mentioning that, like, there should be uh, stuff taken out of the bill. Like, so, like, one of the things that I saw was five hundred million dollars for Israel or something.
1: Right. So, of, like, so a couple different things. That. First of all, Trump didn't mention Israel. Trump mentioned other countries. It's also not true that Israel gets five hundred million. A lot of the countries that are listed, um, there's money allocated, but it's it's really money for American businesses, which a lot of people don't understand. And in addition to that, that stuff isn't in the covid bill. They did two bills together. It was an omnibus where they did the spending bill to keep government open and they did the covid bill, so it's not even part of the same bill. And then like the third or fourth lie in all of that is Trump criticized the money that some countries are getting, not from the covid bill, but from the spending bill. But Trump requested that they get that money months ago when he put together his budget. So it's like it's 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 five or six layers of deception.
6: Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for clearing it up for me, because like, yeah, I don't know that I did. I mean,
1: the lies are so uh, intertwined that I feel like it's hard to even explain them all.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Because when when he mentioned that, like, I wouldn't think Trump out of the kindness of his heart at the end of his presidency would give every American (laughs) two thousand dollars.
1: Your instinct is correct. Your instinct is correct.
6: Okay. well, thank you for taking my call.
1: All right, my pleasure. There is 16 year old Jacobo from Miami. I love it. Um, let's go next to, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Is it Kian in Queens or is it K- Kian? Hi, it's Kian. Kian, all right, very, all right. So uh, the first one was wrong, but I got it right on the second try.
6: Right, good job.
1: What's, uh, so uh, what's I, going uh, on?
6: I love your show, and I have uh, two questions. Sure. The first one uh, is about my prediction that. Uh, kamala harris will be running in 2024 and probably nominating pete as her vp if she decides that his sexual orientation is not a risk okay but anyway i think that um kamala is smart enough to know that uh her and biden cannot piss off the progressives during their term and uh otherwise the turnout in 2024 would be you know if it's even just five percent lower it could be detrimental to her chances so my instinct tells me that uh, she would push Biden to do a few more things that would make progressives happy, uh, so that she can like tout her accomplishments during her presidential run next time. So, for example, student loan forgiveness would be one thing that I would think that she would be pushing, because I would see I don't see really any negative to Biden, you know, increasing his uh, his his idea about, you know, I guess it's 10,000. He wants to forgive now, but I don't see any negative to him increasing that. And I just think that all the people that would feel the relief from that uh, student loan forgiveness would remember in 2024 and they would be more excited and have a reason to actually come out to vote for
1: her. So so a few thoughts on that, a a few a few thoughts on that. Um, A couple different things. Number one, remember, um, Joe Biden can't get a lot of the things done. I I don't actually think Joe Biden can do even this student loan thing if he doesn't get control of the Senate. I I just don't know. I don't I don't believe you can do that via executive order. Um, And I don't see how he gets uh, student loan forgiveness done without Democrats controlling the Senate. So it's very important to understand that a lot of what you're talking about is is very nuanced and 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 uh, uh, important and reasonable. But it's not simply up to, oh, does Kamala make sure Joe Biden throws some bones to progressives to help him or her in 2024? It's not just up to Kamala convincing Joe Biden. There There's realities here where without the Senate, I don't see how any of this stuff gets done. That's that's sort of like number one. Number two, um, I I do agree. And, you know, there was this earlier caller about how does the how do progressives keep Biden accountable if. If Democrats take the Senate, the way they keep Biden accountable is they can't afford Biden can't afford to lose a single Democratic vote in the Senate. And that includes Joe Manchin as much as it includes Bernie Sanders. So I think that's the answer to that piece. But a lot of what you're saying is spot on, except it's not up to Kamala to convince Joe because it's legislatively difficult without the Senate. Okay.
6: Um Okay, thanks. And uh, I have a second question. Um, related to nina turner and she recently announced uh that she's running for ohio's 11th district okay so i, I feel like really excited about this opportunity having a, at least one more non-corrupt person in in uh, congress and i feel the same way that i felt when like Jenk uger from tyt ran for a seat in california so when cenk ran uh, he announced his candidacy i was like so hopeful and i was almost certain that he would pull out a win given his national profile and Uh, support from across the nation and so as like you may know and your viewers might know that Jenk got trounced by the establishment candidate in California and that really surprised me um so do you see any similarities with uh do you see any similarities with uh Nina's candidacy where it looks like she would be a shoe-in with such a national profile and you know lots of grassroots uh funding available to her yet I really
1: don't know. To be perfectly frank, I don't know enough about that district and I don't know enough about the level to which Nina is known nationally. Like I know about her and I know she appears on national media with relative frequency. I I just don't have all the information. It it might be a similar situation to Jenk or she might end up, you know, wiping the floor in the 11th in Ohio. I, I just don't know enough to be able to say about that district.
6: Okay, well, I'll just remain hopeful about both issues with Kamala Trying to push Biden and Nina, hopefully, eking out a win. And uh, thank you for your time. And I enjoy your show.
1: Thank you. I appreciate the call. And it seems to to quote myself on previous calls. It seems like there's a lot going on there. So we're I'm going to let you I'm going to let you go. But I really do appreciate the call. We are listening to the questions and comments from folks through Discord. DavidPackman.com/slash/discord. Speaking of Ohio, let's go to Chris in Cincinnati. Chris, you're on the air.
3: Hi, thank you so much David. Um, so I just want to start a little bit with a, a point in which we can agree on um, because I do kind of want to pressure you a little bit onto uh, your thoughts on the like AOC kind of controversy. So uh, would you say that if your goal is progressive policy and a, a non-corrupt government that uh, Pelosi probably wouldn't be a good speaker of the House?
1: Um, you're saying in in a vacuum th- I don't think about it that way. I don't think Pelosi um, I'm not excited by Nancy Pelosi because I just don't find her to be nearly progressive enough. So my preference would be for a more progressive Speaker of the House, at, you know, absent any other political realities in a vacuum, I'd rather someone more progressive than Nancy Pelosi.
3: Right. I think we can agree on that. So I think um, politics one oh one, right? You right. If you don't agree with um, a specific vote, right, you don't agree with voting for Nancy Pelosi for progressive policy, then you, of course, want to leverage your vote, right? You'd want to like, get something out of voting for Pelosi, whether that be um, a more progressive Speaker of the House, which is very unlikely, or maybe getting some political concessions out of Speaker Pelosi, correct?
1: Uh, th- those would certainly be things that one could tr- seek. Yes.
3: Right. So, um, what AOC is came out and said what she would be trying to leverage for her vote. Um, the first thing she said was a fifteen dollars minimum wage, which is um, like incongruent with like any sort of leverage because P- Pelosi and Biden already said they're fighting for that. So it doesn't really make sense, and like at best, it's just kind of misleading um, and gaslighting. Uh, she okay, but hold on a second. Out, can we
1: can I can we talk about that yeah, when you sure, when you sure. say what AOC would want in exchange for her vote for Nancy would be a $15 minimum wage. The language is a little bit confusing because how would AOC voting for Nancy Pelosi get a $15 minimum wage? Do you mean a vote on a $15 minimum wage or what? What specifically? That's that's
3: a great that's a great question. So um, what AOC tweeted, what she said in response. Um, to how she's leveraging her vote for Nancy Pelosi. It'd be if I vote for Nancy Pelosi, I, I have backdoor kind of conversations with Nancy Pelosi and mm-hmm. make an agreement with her that I will support her for a $15 minimum wage if I support Nancy Pelosi. Like Hold on a second. No, you, could, I
1: think you just said something totally. I will I support sure. her for a $15 minimum wage if I, so I, I I think maybe you just misspoke. Can you say that again? AOC said what exactly? OK,
3: so you can read the tweet that she said, but she's saying she's leveraging her vote for Speaker Pelosi in order to get a 15 dollar minimum wage. That, that was directly her tweet. She did it in response to Justin Jackson on Twitter. OK, and I'm just it, saying if, I don't
1: fully if, understand what it means that she she wants to be, getting a 15 dollar minimum wage is something that would have to pass the House, Senate and be signed into law right, by the president. So right. I'm trying to understand I'm not saying you're giving me wrong information. I don't understand what it means that she's leveraging her vote for a fifteen dollars minimum wage because I just don't see how Nancy Pelosi can make that happen. Is she tech talking about a vote on a fifteen dollars minimum wage?
3: That's a great question. I think like these kinds of um, the exact question that you're bringing up is kind of proof that what AOC is saying in response to leveraging her vote is kind of incongruent with. Not only the way that this would work properly, but also like. Um, the well, that may be that may be. I guess it, dep- us, it, it
1: right? depends on what AOC meant. I'm just not totally since I haven't seen the tweet. I uh, it's possible that it's clear what AOC meant in the tweet, but you but I'm not okay, hearing sure, it yeah, from you. So I just don't
3: well, know. Not, well, maybe we shouldn't stick on that then. But I think the, the point is still there. Um, I, I just find it interesting that uh, there was there's a whole debacle on AOC's response to Justin Jackson in part of this controversy, and that was really part of it. And um,
1: that's part of what though. What is, I'm trying to uh, say. What the, is the main stop, point? Am, what I'm is sorry, the main point? Injured.
3: It was part of the disagreement about forcing the vote. Part of that disagreement, saying AOC wasn't left enough. Right. I mean, I'm not going to say hold that. on. Of the disagreement from, for AOC. Right. Listen, I, I, AOC. I don't know
1: that. I don't. I want to. I want to. I want to have this conversation. I just am really struggling to know what you're talking about. When you say that was part of the disagreement, what was part of which disagreement between which parties?
3: Uh, There was a disagreement between people on the left, like Jimmy Dore, who's okay. Um, There was a disagreement between Justin Jackson and Brianna Joy Gray and secular talk with uh, AOC's policy-making decisions in how she's leveraging her vote okay. um, for speaking Pelosi, okay. And this disagreement was on Twitter In it, it came in AOC's response to Justin Jackson on Twitter. Um, and that's what really sparked the controversy of force the vote. Um, okay, On top of Jimmy Dore's uh, crazy outward rants about how AOC's corrupt, which I, I don't support, right?
1: Okay, okay.
3: So... AOC said in response to Justin Jackson, Justin Jackson saying on Twitter that if you don't leverage your vote for Medicare for all, which is like hashtag force the vote, then you are showing who you truly are, um, kind of saying like it's a litmus test. Um, and AOC responded to Justin Jackson saying we are leveraging our vote and we're doing it for a $15 minimum wage.
1: OK, uh, who is it Justin? People. Who is Justin Jackson? Sure. He's uh and he's an NFL
3: football player, but on Twitter, he's a very active leftist um, who frequently goes on like Katie Halper's show and um, Brianna Joy Gray's uh, Bad Faith podcast. Okay. Uh, I don't know
1: who. So. Let me I'm going to try to bring this back. Maybe maybe this is just not the right venue. I don't know who Katie Halper is. I know Brianna Joy Gray was was Bernie's Mm -hmm. former former person. We're like 10 layers deep in telephone. Was there a specific question for me on policy? Sure.
3: Yes. Okay. on policy, I I would hope that you could um, just a little expand on what you think would be the best. Way to leverage your vote for Speaker Pelosi? Like maybe we could talk about that, or you could expand on if we're going to vote for Nancy Pelosi, progressives, I mean, and you're yeah. going to vote for someone that we don't clearly agree with. We yeah. already said that. What is the best way we should leverage our vote for Speaker Pelosi? Okay,
1: I have a segment coming up about this, and I'm going to lay out in detail exactly the things that I think would be more uh, more reasonable. But ju- if we're going to stay even in this paradigm. If I were AOC and this doesn't mean this is the right thing or the wrong thing, I would be more interesting, more interested in uh, pushing for something that uh, hold, if I'm going to hold my vote hostage, I don't want to do it for a naughty nice list on Medicare for all. I would rather do it on standing firm on twelve hundred or two thousand dollars for people that need it. Just as one example, like I can come up with all sorts of other examples, but I think there's actually a bigger p- picture question here about the types of things that members of Congress can try to get from the speaker that are beyond um, symbolic votes to do a naughty and light, nice list, which includes things related to committee ships. And it's, it's a long list. And I'm going to have that clip very soon.
3: All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um I'm sorry if it was unclear, but I, I love your show. Thank you. And as a leading remark, Brianna Joy Gray had a great article on like what this kind of effect would have and also David Sirota on how to leverage your vote properly. But thank you so much,
1: David. All right. Very good. Pleasure. 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 Hopefully we were able to uh, make some um, sense out of that eventually. I mean, I think we got to something interesting. Ultimately, let's go uh, next to um, I guess this is is this Ron from Los Angeles? Or is this a. a Ron from Los Angeles? Is it Aaron from Los Angeles? It might not matter because I think this person's self-muted and they're not around last chance for Ron a Ron or just Aaron from Los Angeles all right they're gone that's too bad let's go next to um let's go to Enoch from Pittsburgh you're on the air
4: hello yeah hi uh, first of all uh, thank you for uh, having me pleasure um, so I uh, I just have a question about the Congress vote that's coming up in, uh, I believe it's January 6th. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so this is partially my ignorance because I'm still a little like new to the politics and how all of this works. I'm honestly, you know, just learning about the uh, Congress vote to um, certify the uh, Electoral College. Um, and I, I know it has been reported that several senators and uh, congressmen. We're planning to uh, vote against the Electoral College votes, and I'm just wondering if you think that it's still possible uh, for uh, Trump and, you know, his uh, supporters um, in within the Congress to try to uh, steal the election by uh Voting against the elect, uh, Electoral College uh, results?
1: No, I don't think so. Um, back in the year, remember that the role of the vice president is simply to count the votes, not to decide whether votes are valid or anything like that. So I do expect that there will be Republican members of the House and maybe even the Senate who, when certain votes, are counted, will stand up and present an objection. Democrats tried this in the year 2000, when the entire presidential election between Al Gore and George W. Bush depended on Florida. Democrats stood up and objected to the counting of the Florida uh, electoral votes, and they were able to do nothing to stop it. In this case, it doesn't even come down to one state. It comes down to multiple states. So I expect objections. I don't expect them to, to have any impact.
4: Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, I was just asking because I guess the way I understood it was uh, if they uh, vote uh, against uh, those votes that uh, I guess they need to vote again. But I guess that was my uh, not understanding of the topic. Yeah, I don't think I don't (laughs) think it's
1: going to happen. I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't I don't expect that to happen, but we'll be covering it live on January 6th. That's for sure. All right. uh, I'm sorry I wasn't able to talk to more folks today, but we will take calls again. In 2021, quick break, some audience questions coming up after this short break.
0: The David Pakman Show at DavidPacman.com.
1: The number one funding source for The David Pacman Show has been and continues to be membership and membership is not just a feel good thing you get access to the world famous bonus show every single day just for members as well as commercial free audio and video feeds of the show day in and day out you can sign up for membership very very quickly at joinpacman.com that's join p a k m a n.com if the normal prices strike you as high, by all means use the coupon code VOTESOON18, all one word, all lowercase. Become a member today.
0: The David Pakman Show at davidpacman.com.
1: All right, let's get into um, audience questions for the week and the last set of audience questions of 2020. Very exciting. Okay, first question, David. We hear all the bluster from Trump, special counsel, martial law. He won lawsuits. All of this other stuff. Is Trump genuinely going to try to physically stay in the White House after January twentieth? I think the answer is still no. I think the answer is still no. Um, I know that there. We we reported on Trump floating or suggesting to some uh, some of his uh, aides. maybe I just won't leave sort of thing. Um, I think that Donald Trump either already knows or will become convinced by the time January 20th rolls around uh, that it would be really, really embarrassing for himself to you know, have to be escorted out of the White House or for reports to be that he was refusing to leave or something like that. Now, the truth is, He probably has some followers that are so sycophantic that if Trump tried it, they would see it as some kind of act of defiant heroism rather than the corrosive act for the country that that it would be. Um, But but I do believe that, you know, Trump's kids, I think, would all get it like you you can't physically try to stay. It would be humiliating to try to do it. Um, I don't think he's actually going to try to do it now between now and then he will continue to insist he won. He will continue to tweet the things he's, he's been tweeting and look at could could I maybe get this overturned in some way? But even Donald Trump, I am sure, recognizes that just staying there absent any court decision about you know not accepting results or th- these things are all going by the wayside every time we reach a new milestone in the, in the process of certifying and electors voting and, and all of that. Um, I, I think even Trump recognizes absent something tangible to say, look, this state has flipped now or, or something. I don't think he's going to physically try to do it. Now, I, I admit that as someone who covers this stuff, uh, Trump talks about ratings. I can imagine no greater ratings than video of Donald Trump being forcibly removed from the White House. But I don't believe it will happen. It would be absolutely terrible, terrible for for the country. I believe really the milestone date for Trump will be January 6th, um, I think, on uh, on on January 6th, Mike Pence is planning after the official counting of the electoral votes, which have already been cast. Remember, January 6th is just the formalization of a joint session of the House and Senate counting those votes. Mike Pence is scheduled to within hours leave the country and go on a trip to I think it's Poland and maybe uh, UAE. I don't remember exactly the countries. And I would not be surprised if Trump is even still in Washington by then. There's rumors he he may be leaving sooner. for Trump to completely disappear and maybe even abandon the White House. I don't know. There's the idea he'll stay in the White House and then fly to a rally on Inauguration Day. There's the idea he'll never return from Christmas and just stay in Florida. There's the idea that January 6th, maybe when he sort of formally uh, gives it up and and we stop hearing from him altogether. Uh, but I believe that he is not. If, if the question is, will Trump try, try and consider any mechanism or manipulation that might Allow him to steal the election. The answer is, of course, yes. And he's thought of everything: um, uh, lawsuits of different kinds, trying to send different electors, convincing state legislatures and governors to send different electors. That came and went. Um, seizing voting machines, which is some of his lawyers told him you can't do. Uh, martial law was reportedly floating, You know all of the, these different ideas. He he's morally willing to do any of it, but I do not believe he will physically try to stay. Uh, in the Oval Office. No. next question, will Republicans consider Biden illegitimate for four years? Yeah, I think that this is sort of a, a, a good question to be asking. The questions about will Biden really be sworn in seem like a waste of time. The questions about can Donald Trump really do this, that, 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 you know, all of these six, seven, eight different things that he's floated or others have floated as ways to maybe steal the election. We mentioned some of them earlier um, lawsuits or seizing voting machines, having governors send different electors. All that's none of that stuff is going to happen. I think the right question is how corrosive is Donald Trump insisting on this stuff to democracy? And in particular, the way in which Donald Trump, maybe never conceding and insisting he actually won will affect the Republican Party through Joe Biden's first two years and four years uh, in the Oval Office. Now, I think there's two sides of it. One is how will it affect Republican officials? And the second part is how will it affect Republican voters? Let's do voters first, because I think that one's really easy. Uh, I think it's very clear at this point that the combination of Trump insisting it was. I mean, just listen to the voicemails I get. People are convinced Trump insisting he really won combined with Newsmax and OAN and, you know, uh, all of the different uh, the the different hosts and characters that have been insisting Trump actually won. That will leave a significant portion of the 75 million who voted for Trump believing Joe Biden is an illegitimate president for the duration of Joe Biden's uh, term. There's no question about that one is easy for me. The voters have been affected. Many believe Trump won et cetera, full stop. The more interesting question in terms of Biden's governance, because Biden can't really do anything about millions of Republicans thinking he's an illegitimate president. The real question is about Biden's governance and will Republican elected officials, Republicans in the Senate, Republicans in the House of Representatives and Republican governors around the country, will they uh, in some way resist working with Biden in any way? specifically by by um, failing him to recognize, uh, failing to recognize him as a legitimate president. And I think it comes down to how visible Trump will be uh, after January 20th. If we've already seen more and more Republicans just say Biden won, uh, Mitch McConnell even congratulated Biden last week. We covered that Trump was very triggered by it. If Donald Trump just sort of evaporates politically, fades away on January 20th or before or slightly after. I think you will see the vast majority of Republicans go back to dealing with Joe Biden the way they dealt with Barack Obama, which is there will be some who said Barack Obama wasn't really born here and isn't a legitimate president. But for the most part, they did the normal Republican things, obstruct, pretend to be worried about the debt and deficit, call things government takeovers anytime uh, the Democratic president wants to do something. I think that's what you will see most Republicans go back to. Now, the difference is there are some really wacky uh, Congress people elect, ready to be sworn in the House of Representatives um, in in just days, and I think that regardless of what Trump does, there's there's QAnon people who are entering Congress. You know, you you have to understand the the impact of that. I think they will continue to say their absolutely wacky stuff uh, for for the duration of their terms, and hopefully. They will be so ostracized by left and right that they will lose in twenty twenty two. That would be the hope. It may not happen. We may may see more QAnon stuff in twenty twenty two. I just don't know yet. Uh, So that that's basically the lay of the land. I think that what Trump has done has irreversibly um, uh, put millions of his supporters in the mindset that Biden is not legitimate. I'm hearing from them in my voicemail every single week. But the real question in terms of Biden for governance is how will Republican senators and members of Congress uh, consider him? And I think for the most part, they will see him as the legitimate president. David, we're getting close to those Georgia runoffs. Can Joe Biden get anything done if Democrats don't win Georgia. So this is a different version of something we've we've been talking about. Um, If Democrats are unable to win both of those races, making the Senate a 50 50 tie with Kamala Harris as the tie breaking vote, I would be shocked if anything substantial is done from a legislative standpoint. Mitch McConnell will go back to the Obama playbook, as I talked about in the last segment, obstruct everything, offer no bipartisanship, period. Uh, in addition to that, um, even with winning the runoffs, there are lots of issues that are going to be a fight uh, when you consider I know that the, the it's almost cliche to say, but uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia is the most right wing Democratic senator. There are lots of Biden ideas that I have a hard time imagining Joe Manchin goes for. Now, maybe you can find a Republican or two uh, to go for them, even if Joe Manchin doesn't. But The next two years will be a very big uphill battle for Joe Biden legislatively, regardless of what happens in in, uh, January in Georgia. Without those wins, nothing gets done. And and Joe Biden will essentially have to govern by Pyrrhic compromise, where you have to give up so much in order to get Republicans to, to work with you that. there's a question as to whether it's even a worthwhile exchange and by executive order. Fortunately, Biden can get a lot of things done by executive order. And my hope is that what Biden can't do legislatively in these first two years, uh, he can do via building goodwill and and sort of reestablishing the U.S. as respectable globally, which our global reputation has been in the toilet thanks to Donald Trump. Um, But but then, you know, the real the complicated part, the part where it gets tough is even with both Senate seats, um, what what of the big things can you actually get done um, for some for really major things? You also need a super majority, which Democrats with 50 50 and Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker uh, aren't aren't going to have. They'll be able to do the budget bill that only needs 50 votes. They can put some extras in it, and, and see what else they can get done that way. They will be able to confirm Supreme Court justices if Joe Biden indeed gets to nominate anybody. And, you know, maybe you can do some infrastructure. Uh, maybe you can do It's just health, climate and tax reform seem really, really tough. Um, and uh, it's it's going to be an uphill battle. So that's that's my perspective at this point. And then, of course, there's this idea of Do they do they do away with the filibuster Um, divergent opinions on the left about that? Let's just wait and see what happens January 5th in Georgia before we have that conversation, because I think that let's not even waste our breath uh, on that issue until we know what's going to happen um, in the state of Georgia. We have a great bonus show for you today. And remember, we are off next week. No new shows next week. Everybody relax. The show's not canceled. Just an end of the year break. So, bonus show coming up right after this. Become a member at joinpacman.com to get instant access. And then, nothing next week. And then, back with you on Monday, January 4th, 2021.